I'm sure when you woke up this morning, you wondered about the geology of Taiwan and why it's important to your day. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we are going to find that out today as I am delighted to be joined this morning by Yukon Associate Professor of Geology, Michael Wren, who has studied the geology of Taiwan. Michael, good morning. An unusual topic this morning. Why should we care about the geology of Taiwan? Well, good morning, and, and thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I think it's it's one of these things that's really interesting that we often think as uh, as, as scientists about how the Earth works, and we want to go try and study uh, and understand processes and how they how they shape the Earth. And one of the challenges we face is that geology tends to operate very slowly. Rocks move slowly, and, and change occurs pretty slowly. But Taiwan is unique because it's really fast. The mountains are growing faster than our fingernails grow. Uh, it gets hit with, you know, up to five typhoons a year. So things are operating really quickly. And it's just a place where you can actually see the rocks, uh, the mountains form and crumble in front of your eyes. So it's a really dynamic place. And what was it that got you in particular interested in Taiwan? Yeah, so, so one of the things that uh, as earth scientists we want to understand is really what controls uh, both global cycles, so the chemistry of our oceans, you know, how the, the chemistry of our soils and land changes, but also the climate. So every day, you know, this summer we've been hearing about fires and temperature and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And over long time scales, the formation and uh, erosion and weathering of mountains is thought to be one of the important controls of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere on the time scale of millions of years, so, so not the human time scale that we're dealing with today. But it, one of the challenges is that the tropical mountains uh, tend to be really important because they're forming in these really hot and generally wet environments. And so Taiwan serves as really an example for the entire planet of this tropical system where mountains have been forming really quickly uh, and eroding really quickly, and it's really become kind of a model for the planet but one of the challenges there is that, you know, we can see these processes occurring, but we don't really understand how high the mountains have been over long time scales. So what is the evolution of topography through time? And that's important because if we don't understand that, we really don't have a good handle on the balance between these processes that are happening deep in the earth. You know, so the tectonic forces that are, that are forming the mountains that are driving them up, and the processes at the Earth's surface, weathering, erosion, uh, you know, the chemical breakdown of these things that are essentially um, breaking them down and, and planing them down into smaller mountains. So if we understand topography, you know, we can understand this balance between what's happening in the Earth and the surface and the interplay between the two. Not having been to Taiwan, when you refer to mountains in Taiwan, what are you talking about elevation-wise for the highest peaks in Taiwan? Oh, they're beautiful. So, so about 4,000 meters. Um, you know, so think about uh, equivalent mountains here would be kind of like the, the Colorado Rocky Mountains, uh, where we're getting really quite significant mountains. You know, it's a tropical island, but if you go up to the top, uh, you can be in the middle of a snowstorm. And, and some would argue that during the last glacial period, you had glaciers coming out of these large mountain ranges in central Taiwan as well. That alone is interesting, because I think most people listening right now, if you ask them how high mountains are in Taiwan, which isn't that big, nobody would have thought over 10,000 feet. Now, you say that the mountains in Taiwan are growing as fast 
as your fingernails grow. That's quite a statistic. What I want to know is how do you measure a mountain that's getting bigger? <laughs> well, there's there's a couple of different uh, time scales that we think about. So one, you know, if we're thinking about just the, the human time scale, measuring these things. So, you know, obviously today we have satellites and, and we can measure uh, kind of very small changes in the height of these mountains today with, with satellites. But even in a simpler sense, if you go off the northeast coast of Taiwan, you know, you can find these sheer cliffs that rise right out of the ocean. And in places you can find coral reefs uh, that are now, you know, 100 meters up out of the water that clearly had been forming, you know, under the ocean not too long ago. So there's there's both this kind of, you know, technological measurement, but these these very discrete observations. What what I'm trying to get at is really the question over the hundreds of thousands to millions of year questions. Um, and that, that's where it gets a lot trickier. And we haven't really had a whole lot of tools with which we can reconstruct the evolution of mountains over time scales of, say, a million years. So the trick here is, is we've got a new approach where we essentially look at organic matter that's being you know, formed all across the mountain. So if you look at a mountain today, there are trees growing, there's vegetation, but it gets eroded and carried out through rivers. We look at the chemistry of material that is eroded uh, and carried through rivers and deposited in the shallow ocean. And that chemistry tells us something about the evolution of the mountains through time. So that's kind of our, our main approach. Michael, I haven't done the math on this, but I'm just thinking from as you describe the gradual increase in height of the mountains in Taiwan. If it's growing as fast as my fingernails grow, does that mean that a 12,000-foot peak in Taiwan a couple hundred years ago was only 10,000 feet? No, not quite. So, so if our fingernails are growing, we'll say your fingernails are growing, you know, five centimeters uh, a year, right? So you might figure in a hundred years, uh, you know, we're getting maybe a meter. So a thousand years, we're getting 10 meters. So you can scale it up from there. But if we go back, say, a million years, these, these peaks uh, that are on the order of, of 12 to uh, 12,000 feet, you know, these would have been half their height or smaller, uh, a million years ago, which is still, you know, some of the fastest rates in the entire globe. How do you get to the top of these Taiwan peaks? Do you drive or do you have to hike up to them like you might have to do in the Colorado Rockies? So there's there's a there's about three roads uh, that cross or three main highways that cross the mountains of Taiwan. So, you know, the island is about 200 uh, miles uh, end to end. So there's about three roads that cross. They frequently get shut down from landslides. You know, while we were there this past January, uh, and one of the one of the roads got closed with a, essentially a mountain, you know, eroded, slid down a landslide, cut off that pass, and we had to drive, you know, a few hundred miles uh, to get around to another pass. So there, there are roads that get there, but to hike up to the main peaks, you've got to, you know, get out of the car and, and go hike up. Uh, and so you got to make sure you time it right because, you know, you've got earthquakes, you've got major storms. It's very easy to get stuck, uh, you know, due to weather-related factors. There are some political tensions in that part of the world between Taiwan and China. Does that affect your ability to do research? Uh, you know, it absolutely does. When I was there in January, you know, every day in the local news in Taiwan, uh, there were stories about, um, you know, 
planes from from the um, from the PLA from uh, mainland China, you know, buzzing the island. Uh, certainly, the the local collaborators that I work with there, it's something at the forefront of their minds, and so it's a topic of discussion, uh, you know, every day. And it also affects, you know, when you fly in and out. Uh, you know, a lot of the airline connections will will go through um, either Japan or China or Korea. Um, and so one of the things that we often think about is, is when we're bringing samples uh, back to the United States, um, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's uh, more optimal if we can fly either direct uh, or through, you know, Japan to kind of simplify our, our travel. UConn Associate Professor in the Department of Earth Sciences, Michael Wren, joins us this morning. Michael, your researchers have used ancient plant leaf wax to reconstruct the history of Taiwan's mountains. Exactly how does ancient plant leaf wax play into your research? Right. So, um, you know, I think that's probably something that's not really intuitive for a lot of people. But if we if we step back and think about, um, you know, a mountain, right, we can look at, you know, mountains here in, say, the Northeast and, you know, even looking at Mount Washington in New Hampshire, and we can see plants and vegetation growing up much of that uh, mountain range. Well, as water or as clouds essentially interact with these mountains, they, they're forced to lift and cool. And what that does is it causes the clouds to condense precipitation. And so as water rains out, there's a, a, a chemical change uh, in the isotopic composition of, of water. Um, so we can think of it as simply as, as just the chemistry of that water is going to change as we rain more and more water out of a cloud, right? The more we lift that cloud, the more the chemistry changes of that. And the plants that are growing on this landscape, they take up that water. And so a plant at the bottom of the mountain is taking up the water that rains out first. At the top of the mountain, the plants are taking up water that had already undergone lifting, cooling, and progressive rain out. And so from the bottom to the top, there's a, there's a chemical difference uh, in the water that we can bring samples back to the laboratory. We can measure that uh, on what we call an isotope ratio mass spectrometer. We can measure that, and we can very clearly see this difference. Now, that difference is actually carried into the vegetation that we see. So from the bottom to the top, there's a chemical difference in the organic matter from plants growing on that. As these are, you know, growing and then eroded and carried down rivers, we get a signature of all the material that's growing throughout a catchment. So if you have a very small mountain, you're getting material from, you know, low elevation and small rivers. As that grows, we get more and more material from higher and higher up uh, into the atmosphere. And so as mountains evolve, we change the chemical signature of that organic matter. And that's what we're really going after. Uh, in Taiwan, we're, we're sampling, you know, one to three million year old sediments that are capturing that change in chemistry as mountains grew. Michael, who are the Yukon researchers involved in this Taiwan project? Do they include students and are other schools doing similar research on the mountains of Taiwan? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I would say there's been a number of, uh, of faculty working in Taiwan. Uh, you know, Tim Byrne, who's a, a longtime Yukon faculty uh, was one of the, the people who helped bring me kind of into the fold working in Taiwan. Um, you know, but over the years, uh, Tim, myself, uh, Gene Crespi, Will, we met. Um, we've worked on different aspects uh, of the Taiwan system. And, you know, over the years, there's, there's been a large number of students 
you know, working in Taiwan, both, you know, U.S. citizens, but also a number of Taiwanese uh, students who come to Yukon uh, to work, you know, here, here in the U.S. system. Uh, you know, over the years, I've, I've brought myself about five or six. But, uh, you know, Yukon Earth Sciences also runs a program uh, every other year in Taiwan uh, where we bring students and, and um, you know, interact with Taiwanese students to, you know, learn about natural hazards and, you know, um, the history of, of the geology in Taiwan. Sounds like you don't spend all your time in a classroom or in a laboratory at the University of Connecticut. Michael, where else have you worked in mountains around the globe? Yeah, so a lot of my work is really focused on understanding mountains through time because of the the huge role they play. Uh, But my research has taken me, you know, not only into Taiwan, but to the Himalayas, uh, you know, across Tibet, through the Alps, um, the Pyrenees in Spain. We we finished up a, a big project in uh, Argentina, so looking at Patagonia and the evolution of the Andes Mountains. Uh, and interestingly enough, you know, one of our big projects was not too far from the site of uh, the plane crash from the, the movie Alive. Um, so, you know, a lot of these really dynamic places, and, and I've been really fortunate to be able to, to work in these areas, to work with colleagues from around the globe, and to bring students to really share, you know, my love for, for Earth Systems uh, and mountain evolution. How did you get into geology and earth sciences in the first place? I think like a lot of people, um, you know, my story kind of starts with uh, with a faculty member who was really just dynamic. You know, I took an intro geology class with, um, with a, a super dynamic uh, professor. He was just enthusiastic about the earth, how it worked. And, you know, that, that kind of first glimpse of his passion and excitement really got me hooked. And then I really, you know, the hooks were sunk deep when I had the opportunity to go on a full semester long um, field program, which brought me all throughout the Western U.S. and Hawaii and Mexico. And every two weeks, a new uh, professor or pair of professors would would essentially meet the group uh, to learn about different earth processes. So this combination of, you know, their passion, but also opportunity to see parts of the world I had never been. Um, that really just truly uh, sparked my passion. Michael, put in a plug for your specialty. When it comes to trying to inspire younger students, let's say high school students who want to go on to geology, go into earth sciences, about what some of the career opportunities are in those fields. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, one of the challenges we face uh, in the field of, of geology, of earth sciences, that we're, we're often discovered late by, by students. And, you know, there's kind of a um, not the full understanding of, of what we do. Um, and I think, you know, what, what we often try and convey to students today is, you know, geology is really about understanding how the earth as a system works. You know, taking these classes, learning uh, the tools allows you, you know, when you're driving down the road, to suddenly have an interpretation, to understand what you're seeing, why things look the way they are. You know, it even provides insight into, you know, why did, um, you know, why do we build roads where we do? Why do, why are cities, um, you know, place where they are? It ties back to the earth and the processes uh, and the landform. In terms of, you know, career pathways, there's, there's, it's pretty broad, you know, so many of our students will go on into academia, some into government agencies. I've also had a student 
use these tools and now works for U.S. Customs and Border, doing the chemistry of materials coming in. I have another student who surprisingly works at Pfizer now uh, because the same tools we use to understand chemistry of rocks, you can apply it to really any process. Going back to our original theme of the quick rise of the mountains in Taiwan, how far back does research on that go? Can you compare whether they are rising as fast now as they are rising a couple hundred years ago? Yeah, so so that's one of the things that we're really working on. Um, and so there's a couple of different ways we do that. You know, one is through through my work looking at the sedimentary record of changes through time. So we try and look for inflection points, changes uh, in the signatures. Um, but that's, that's a whole field of study. There are folks who, you know, will hang off, uh, you know, steep cliffs in these, you know, gorges and ravines of Taiwan to collect rocks and to try and look at how fast uh, rock is essentially exhuming or coming out of the earth. Um, so there's a, a variety of different kind of geochemical techniques that we will apply uh, to do that, but it really requires you know, multiple different approaches, different teams working on different parts of the problem. Taking you this morning to the mountains of Taiwan and the research on the quickly growing mountains there in Taiwan. Michael, this is fascinating. I appreciate you joining me this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Take care. UConn Associate Professor in the Department of Earth Sciences, Michael Wren on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.